0: Well, good morning, South City Church family. How's everybody today? Good. I can actually hear you up here. That sounds great. That is wonderful. I have a question that I want you to think about as we start this morning. Thank you for the cheering section being right here. Watch you. Diagnostic question What is God's blueprint, or his design, or his plan to accomplish his mission? I want you to think a little bit about what that looks like. And as we start, I want to tell you a personal story, a little bit about myself. Um, Drew mentioned electrical engineer. Don't hold that against me, please. But how that got started was, um, as a kid, I had a little toy that broke. It was some little plastic thing that broke, and I took it to my dad, who used to work on electronics and all kinds of stuff, and dad could fix anything. And I was like, dad, can you, can you fix my toy? I just remember, and he was like, no, son, it's broken. I mean, it's, it's calling on apart. And I was just in tears as a kid. And I thought, what about my favorite toy? And he thought for a second and he, um, he took the little oscillator circuit out of that toy and he took a planter's peanut can that was full of some nuts and bolts and junk or whatever. And he just dumped that out on the workbench and he put that circuit in there and he put a speaker in it, drilled some little holes for the speaker, put a red light on top with a switch and a little knob for the sound. And that was, he's like, here, play with that. And I thought, that was so cool. I was like, I've got to learn how this electricity thing works because, well, nobody else I knew knew anything about that. So that's how I got started with the fascination of that. Well, fast forward to, I think I was about nine years old. And I thought, we need an alarm circuit on the shop at the house. I don't know why I thought that, but we needed this alarm circuit. And so I was gonna take a switch and put it on the door. Run it through a little um, uh, alarm thing, and just take that and plug it into the outlet, 120 volts, straight on the door. Okay? And uh, we were headed to church that Sunday night, and I was like, Dad, hey, I got this alarm circuit on the door. It's going to be so cool if somebody comes in. It's going to scare him to death. And he was thinking, I'm sure he's thinking if it doesn't shock them first. Um, and he thought, he said, I better go out there and take a look at that before we head out. Now, if Dad hadn't known better to to know how to fix that for me, I probably would have burned the house or the shop down. Um, Why do I tell you that story about myself? Um, You see, I also grew up in the church. And I grew up in some good ones. Um, They taught me the scriptures. They taught me sound doctrine. uh, They taught me how the church should operate. Um, But however, I was not really formally taught in such things like, you know, the Pauline cycle. Drew touched on that last week. It's like, how does that work? Things that are normative in scripture versus what do we see in, in scripture that's just cultural issues. Um, what do we see that there are patterns there that we need to follow? the history of church doctrine, how 20 centuries since Christ, how has the church handled this doctrine over 20 centuries of time? And how do we train people and leaders in the way of Christ, in the way of the apostles in the way that um, he intended for that to be? And so I see now, as I think through that, it's a little bit of a paradigm shift, and it requires every one of us to evaluate the own systems, our own systems that we've been brought up in, be it a denominational system. Uh, be it specific systems of theology or even how we treat discipleship and missions and the role of the church and all that it really causes us all to evaluate those things that we see in scripture and how that works so the people of the church must learn how to appropriately train everyone uh, in, in this church in biblical leadership development helping them to recognize their gifting how to encourage and empower others in that process and even equip them to be commissioned with those gifts and use them for God's kingdom here on earth. So as we're thinking about the study that we're in in first principles and what that looks like in Ephesians 3 we see Christ's design or plan for reaching the world and what that looks like. We see Paul using these letters to the churches and to his closest friends in Timothy and Titus some of his closest disciples to continue to establish them in their faith and in their understanding of how to live that life out that would be fruitful in introducing others to Jesus and to pass on that tradition of being established in the faith. We also see in there what Paul's job description looked like in teaching everyone how to administer this plan and how he did that all over the known world in about a 10-year period. You think about that. You think about the job description of what Paul had to do, and he preached and set up churches all over the known world in about 10 years. That's just fascinating to me. So let's look at the mystery again itself of what he calls out in scripture from Ephesians in uh, chapter 3 when he says, this mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So we see the plan there that everyone can be fellow heirs. There's no partiality with God. And then we see the administration of that ministry. We really see here what is Paul's job description. He says, to me though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for the ages in God who created all things so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. You see, the New American Standard uses the translation that says, to bring the light what is the administration. You know, you put light on something, you can see it, it's exposed, you understand what that's about. The NIV translates it this way it says, to make plain to everyone the administration. So to make, I love that translation, to make plain to everyone. You see, this is not uh, just something for the professional or the paid. Christian, the pastors, this is for everyone in the church to be able to understand this plan and how this mystery of Jew and Gentile and all races can come together as the church to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean there's power in that. Think about what Jesus said in Acts 1-8 which is a restatement of the Great Commission when Luke wrote in Acts 1, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. So He's talking about the power that's given there and the fact that we have a role to be witnesses in that. So Paul speaks of the church as being the thing to show off the manifold wisdom of God and showing that off to a watching world. One commentary describes the manifold wisdom this way. It says, though essentially one, as Christ is one, yet varying the economy in respect to places and times and persons, compared to 1 Peter when he says, he uses the phrase, stewards of the manifold grace of God that man cannot understand a right at single acts until he can survey them all as a connected whole. And the call of the church is no haphazard remedy. It's not an afterthought, but it is part of the eternal scheme, which amidst the manifold varieties of dispensation is one in its end. You just feel the power of what the church is called to do in Jesus Christ uh, and that he's given us um, his spirit and the ability to, to fulfill his mission. We get to be a part of the church to show off that manifold wisdom to the world. So given that that goal is to make plain that mystery, the administration of the mystery, not that we would simply give mental assent to it or understand that it exists, but that we would actually work earnestly toward that end of administering the church, that we must explore how Paul did that and learn what he did. So, we know about the mystery that the Jews and the Gentiles are going to come together as the family of God. We know about the plan, which is the house order or the household of God. And we see Paul's job description in that to make that known, make that plain for everyone to know what the plan is. So, the church is growing into one living community where the Spirit of God dwells and accomplishes a worldwide witness for Jesus Christ. On page 16 of your first principles book, there's another good diagnostic question listed there by David Hasselgrave. Found out also that David Hasselgrave mentored John David Smith. So actually a connection among us right there with John David and the material that we're reading. But Hasselgrave makes this question: he says: When we inquire into a person's faith, we do well to ask what that individual thinks of Christ and his church. So When you're talking to people about that, how do you feel about the church? "Ah, I can't take that or leave it. Like this Jesus thing, don't know about the church. Like, let's look at what the scripture has to say about that. So from there, we see lesson two. we, We go into the first Timothy three passage around verses 14, 15, 16, where Paul says, Timothy, I hope to come to you soon. But I'm writing these things so that if I delay, you might know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. And great indeed is the mystery of godliness. So Paul writes to Timothy the most important things that he could say to him. This is toward the end of Paul's life. And he comes in, and he says, Paul, uh, Timothy, I want to come to you. But it, if I don't make it, these are the most important things I need for you to understand. We see in in this patch is the command of how to behave in the household of God, which in and of itself indicates that there is a plan, there is order to the plan, a household order that is to be followed. And the order of the spiritual family operates much like a family household. But one thing we need to make really clear about this conversation about the family we we use analogies even in scripture about the body we talk about the hands and the eye and the feet and the various things that work together and that is a picture of how the body works but the spiritual family that's called out in scripture that's not an analogy the spiritual family is a real family that must learn how to depend on each other how to live in community with each other how to know each other's struggles and how to lift each other up in all of that. Anything less than that is not displaying the manifold wisdom of God to a watching world. In one of our leadership courses, my friend John actually made a comment when we were talking about this very subject. He, John grew up in a Baptist church, much like I did, been around it all of his life, and he, he just paused one morning and he said, you know, it's been communicated that we're part of a body, and it has not been communicated that we're part of a spiritual family. We got to get that. That is what Jesus is talking about here, that family itself is not an analogy. The family, the households, are the reality of church culture. That's what this is about. Is your church your family? So he also talks about the church being the church of the living God, where God dwells in his people. And then he describes the church as to be the pillar and the buttress of truth. So here we see a clear picture of a structure of something that's strong, he speaks to the design and the blueprint of the church and using these terms of structure in a building. And he uses these terms The pillar. We understand pillar. We understand something strong that holds the structure up, but he uses the word buttress. That's not a word we commonly use today. It's a little bit like a truss that would be at the top that would hold everything up, but a buttress would be a really strong beam that ties those pillars together so that you've got a really strong thing. And he's saying that the buttress or he uses this description to to show that the church's role in uh, displaying and teaching his truth to the world. That Christ wants the household to be ordered in such a way that the truth can be guarded and protected and practiced in a sound manner. You know, I was thinking about the video this past week that was shown on the the one-year anniversary here at South City. Pretty amazing little video. It talks a lot about family, which was great to see the many comments. Uh, that, we're, uh, that we're using family in that. But did you know that on Facebook alone, that thing has been viewed over 3,500 times? Do you think the world's not watching what's going on at South City Church to see what are y'all doing over there? What's God doing at South City that's different? Uh, I just think that's amazing that that's going on. As we look at Scripture to understand the church as a family, what can we say about South City Church? You know, we may look different, Right. We may come from different cultures, but God has brought us together as a church to be a church family. And we can't let things like our culture or different cultures, uh, different skin colors, we can't allow those things to divide his church. That's not what he's about. We also shouldn't let man's traditions divide, uh, define his church. We've got to let scripture and his plan define that. The first principles books that we're going through are meant to establish us in the faith. The consistent study process that we're in, it feels different to us. It, it requires us to think through the issues. It requires us to write down some answers, not just a simple fill in the blank question. It's a more consistent learning process that will challenge all of us to grow and to walk with Jesus and be on mission with him and using his blueprint for our lives. It's one thing to be in a conversation um, But it's a different level of authority when we open up God's Word together and we let His Word speak authoritatively to us. That changes the conversation from, well, I believe, to more about, here's what God says in His Word. That's what we want to follow. So we want to stick to the King's plan from Scripture and stay on mission to make disciples and train everyone to understand the plan. So we know it's at the center of the plan. We know how much Paul talked about that. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to look more into the family dynamics of how does that actually supposed to work. The Gentiles being heirs with the Jews, that's a different, that's a culture clash. But we're going to see in the next two weeks how Paul wrote even more about the dynamics of what that actually looks like. So I'm excited about that. Love spending this time with you. I'm going to pray for us, and we'll have some announcements as we close. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your scripture, your word that we know we can trust. It's infallible that you've given to us to understand how the church is to work, how we get to be uh, ambassadors for you, ambassadors of reconciliation, of introducing you to the world, Lord. So may we here at South City be on mission with you in doing that. uh, And we just want to give that over to you, Lord, that you would receive the honor, the glory, the praise, From all of that, Father, as you build a spiritual family here at South City Church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.